0: All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Hello, and welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talky version of my book, PhotoWork, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. I'm Sasha Wolf, as usual, uh, recording from the Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York, and I'm joined also as usual, or as always, I guess, <laughs> by m- <laughs> by my friend and producer, the only Michael Chauvin Dalton who I would drive through a blizzard for. <laughs>
1: I'll have you know I am the only
0: Michael Chauvin Dalton. <laughs> exactly. My point exactly. My point exactly. Michael Chovin Dalton. Mm. Uh, hello. <laughs> well, hello. Are you having a blizzard? I'm in a full blizzard. So no, uh, we're actually having a mixture of rain and snow. It's
1: kind of just messy, ugly, and icy. Uh, you, so you're in full blizzard up there.
0: Yeah, we're in full blizzard, which is, you know, the the bad part of the blizzard is extremely low visibility and. Scary driving conditions, and the oh, good yeah. part is it's really beautiful. I mean, it was so beautiful at the house before I second geared my way down the mountain to <laughs> to get go, trying to go like three degrees, three degrees, three miles per hour. Um, yeah, is to, it cold to, there too? To, it is cold. It is, I have my I have my um, I'm in full snow bunny um, gear. (laughs) Just imagine me, people. I know that's what you really (laughs) want to do. But yeah, I've got my snow pants on, my uh, big heavy boots and like about five layers. Um, But it is really beautiful. I mean, it was it's you know, it's got that really top of the mountain, that picturesque sort of quality. Mm. So
1: yeah, sounds lovely and (laughs) white knuckle at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, when I got here, You know, when I when I got to the recording studio, I pulled up and there's nobody here. You know, it's like, you know, I went to open the door and it was locked, confirming that truly I am the only person here. So
1: everyone else, are you saying uh, new? Not to, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I knew too. My aunt and uncle were just like, "You're doing what?" And I was like, "It's worth. It's the podcast." That's right. Don't you understand? The show must go on. (laughs) So yeah, so let's 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 get to talking about the episode. I um, it's a really amazing, I think, conversation with the photographer Zora J Murph. What were your thoughts?
1: So yes, absolutely. Um, Zora has insight and experience with where we are in the art world, with yeah. uh, organizations trying to promote diversity, trying to be more inclusive, trying to be more representative. And his experience, which is a mixture of having some really good opportunities, yep. but also being approached by organizations where, you know, he's not quite sure what the motivation, well, he knows the motivation, but he's, you know, he's, he's he wonders, where were you before? Because I've always been here. This is such an, uh, an interesting and complex conversation about right. race and art and what's going on right now. Uh, it's fascinating and, and really what, what Zora has to say is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. No, I concur with everything you just said. Um, yep. So I, I hope people really love it. It's, I, you know, I think I was a little, um, well, let's just say this. Zora, thank God Zora is such a star because I was <laughs> the understudy. Um, I was like the third understudy. You know, what happened was, you know, Zora has a lot to say about issues that are big and existential and complex. Mm -hmm. And I sort of, I should have just 100% gone with that. But sort of towards the second part of the show, I try and sort of shoehorn in some of the questions on process and practice that I'd wanted to get to. And it's a bit of a mismatch Mm. there, all my, I take full responsibility. But Zora's is so great; he sort of just carries on, and and um, you know, yeah, doesn't let me uh, trip him up too badly with my my goofy questions. I do want to just say <laughs> that um, one thing I do want to clean up is I do make sort of a remark about artists taking advantage of empty storefronts post pandemic. It sounds really glib, and I, I apologize; I didn't mean it that way. I just was sort of thinking about the way I came up in New York in the late 70s and 80s when I was a kid. And, you know, this was a time where, I mean, you know, all the underground music clubs and, mm-hmm. and you know, I had friends whose parents were artists, not successful, not famous artists, and, you know, lived in these huge lofts in Soho. I mean, there was no Prada in Soho in those days. I mean, yes. there was no retail stores. <laughs> so it's like sometimes I think about you know, will we be able to get some of that real estate back for artists? And um, and that's sort of what I was alluding to, but we, we don't really...
1: I had a very, yeah. very similar experience in the late 80s when I was living and working in the Lower East Side with, like you mentioned before, music. Uh, you know, whenever we would... Go see uh, performances, uh, readings, music. It was always in these these um, makeshift, uh, you know, storefronts. You know, the businesses had gone under, or you know, uh, it was uh, reflective of the times, yeah, and the economy. But it there were opportunities for artists who had very little money yep. to have performance spaces, yep, and so yeah, the, as as troubling as the economy was that you know there was some, I have a fondness for those memories
0: yeah absolutely there was way more um yeah there was just way more art in those days that was accessible and god the amount of music venues was just mm-hmm. so much fun and so you could Everything. really yeah it was fun <laughs> if you weren't getting yeah. mugged it was a blast um, right. yeah there was that too <laughs> yes <laughs> anyway well on that note, I hope everyone really enjoys the episode. Um, I think it's really special. And again, big thanks to Zora for his, you know, really being so vulnerable and and honest and thoughtful about Mm -hmm. things that are extremely important. So if you don't mind, Michael, please take it away.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And here is your conversation with Zora J. Murph.
0: Zora J. Murph, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for for hanging out with me today.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, Sasha.
0: Um, well, how are you? Uh, how are you? Where are you?
2: Um, you know, like I guess it's hard. I never, I never thought I would uh, that that how are you would be such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I grade on it. It's a yeah. pandemic
0: curve. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm here. You know, I think that's about all that I can say is that I'm here. And I'm in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, right now. So I moved here a few years ago to start um, a teaching appointment at the University of Arkansas. I teach in the School of Art.
0: And so I have a ton of questions. I've you're one of the handful of guests who, you know, I haven't worked with before.
2: Mm-hmm. I've
0: known you for a little while, not very well, but a bit. And but I, I had to do a tremendous amount of research, which was fun. I I feel like I was sort of living in your brain for the past couple (laughs) weeks. Um, Yeah. But before we get started, just just tell people a little bit about your journey.
2: Uh, Yeah, so I never intended to be uh, an artist or a photographer. You know, I thought there was like a lot of different things I thought I would do. And so I, you know, went to uh you know started college after high school and sort of like under the premise of you know everyone around me telling me if I didn't start school I probably wouldn't go back um and so I was and
0: where, where did you grow up?
2: Uh so, I grew up in Iowa um in Iowa. yeah in Iowa yeah and uh yeah so I I decided you know I just kind of jumped into going to college didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do uh so I studied psychology uh and that led me into um te- like a uh, providing social services. And I worked, you know, in, in that field for, for a bit of time in like five years. And I uh, moved to Eastern Iowa, um, started a job at a uh, juvenile detention facility, uh, providing uh, services to kids on probation. And then it was like around that time that I came to this understanding that like this This work, like it it was enjoyable and it was good work to do, but um, it just wasn't, you know, exactly what I was looking for. And, I, you know, it started taking pictures just as a kind of a hobby, you know, something to have for myself and really enjoyed it and then started to kind of educate myself about like what, you know, photography is or, or can be. Um, you know, got started exposing myself to art, and yeah, just decided that I, you know, I I wanted to be an artist, and so I was going to go back to school to to learn more about photography and art. So you know, I I started studying at the University of Iowa, and then I, while I was studying there, I started my um, uh, body of work corrections. Uh, so that was you know the 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 social work that I was doing, and then. Um, you know, sort of bringing my art into that, because I was working full time, I was a full time student. And, you know, it was a, an easy way for me to try to make work. But then, you know, the more that I got into it, really getting a deeper understanding of not only like, you know, what does it mean to, to make, uh, you know, an image of somebody, but how images interact with social systems, you know, how they promote belief and kind of the fraught relationship in that, you know, that's baked into the history of photography. And so, yeah, like from from there, you know, I had a a really, um, two really great professors, uh, Jeff Rich and Margaret Stratton. Um, And those two inspired me to become a professor. Um, Just, you know, like sitting with them and spending time with them and and having a a deep understanding of, of the ways in which they were facilitating me being able to verbalize, uh, you know, my ideas, like when it came to my, to my artwork and and having a deeper understanding of my intentions as an artist. And I think it was like, I was really like in awe of, of their skill within that. And, you know, came to the realization, like, you know, I've you know, sort of the the jobs and and positions that I've held, they were all like sort of like modes of of being an educator. Um, And and so they helped me arrive at at like, yeah, just the decision that I I wanted to be a professor and also an artist. So yeah, that's it. I think that's everything.
0: I was just thinking that um, there must be real similarities between what you did before working with your case, working with young people who are sort of in difficult situations, but you, you know, just being sort of receptive and connected to young people must be a very (laughs) similar sort of foundational skill set for being a professor.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, it it boils down to just a, a very simple principle is that, you know, you have to find ways to Focus less on yourself and acknowledge the lived mm-hmm. experiences of others. <laughs> yep. and, um, yeah. And, yeah. make it sound so simple. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like that's like, you know, I, I was in a training when I was a social worker and the facilitator of the training was talking about how, you know, like, um, like social welfare systems, um, like food assistance programs, like applying for those systems, they're, they're built from, you know, a a white centered, you know, middle class perspective. And so, you know, the sort of principles and values that get baked into the building of those systems dictate how, like the, you know, sort of they function on a day to day basis. Um, And so, you know, I, I would help clients, sort of navigate these systems. But I had to find ways of being able to, to again, acknowledge their lived experiences, like, you know, the things that they're going through, um, and help them attend to those needs, while trying to help them build the skills necessary to be able to navigate these systems that, you know, often, you know, the people that I'm working with, like, that they relied upon uh, to get by. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, those are things that like you you maybe don't understand about yourself, like when you're kind of in the midst of it. Uh, And so it's it's been really great to, you know, like kind of look back at the past uh, 10 years and really like recognize like how I was like sort of I was already doing these things. But now through like, you know, like, you know, getting an education uh, have learned to sort of pinpoint and recognize and then understand like, okay how do then how do I then teach this to to other people,
0: do you think that we can sort of widen that concept out a bit? Tell me if I can connect these things, or if I'm just grasping at straws. But mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I wanted to ask about was you did a um, interview with um, Alex Hoderly in Document Journal, and he asks you if you think there's such a thing as good or bad aesthetics. You wrote, uh, you you said it's all relative. Maybe people are misguided in the aesthetics they employ, question mark. Good or bad art, question mark. High or low art, art with a capital A. I don't know if I'd say there's good or bad inherently. What does exist are privileged systems that create values meant to continually support those in positions of power. When you gave your answer, it it triggered me to want to ask you about that.
2: I don't think I would try to answer like, well, like what what system do we need to put in place? Right. Um, I would, I would maybe like with, with that response, I I feel like what I'm asking is, um, you know, when do we begin really asking questions of like these systems that we participate in? They're not like the things that we do, like how we participate in the art world, how the art world functions, like none of that's going to come to a screeching halt overnight. Right. It's going to continue to exist, much like, you know, academia is going to continue to exist the way that it currently is. But when can we begin earnestly asking, like, why do we follow these systems and rules in place? Because obvious, like, you know, with with everything that we've, we've gone through historically overall, but, you know, especially, you know, how everything feels heightened um, from over the last year, that, these systems that we've we've sort of followed and put in place they've they've been exclusionary from from the jump and i think you know everyone is just like we're just done sort of operating in those ways or at least like you know if you if you come at me with an opportunity i'm going to ask you why which is something i had to grapple with a lot over the last year because as soon as as soon as george floyd was murdered. Like, just the my email inbox was like full. Um, you know, there was a day. Mm-hmm. There was a day I made. You know, I made five thousand dollars without having to do anything. I didn't have to make any new work. I didn't even have to leave my couch. All I had to do was respond to email. Mm-hmm. You know, I was approached by, um, you know, approached by Magnum, you know, for their nomination process in the midst of all of that, and really like asking questions of like, why now? Cause I've been here, you know, this, this work has been out there.
0: Well, you know, the answer to, yeah. Right. Exactly.
2: Right. Exactly. Like, right. But I I think that like, I think in my experience, uh, you know, like being an artist, I feel like people who are in these positions of shaping visual culture have like long, like, you know, have, have not acknowledged the responsibilities that come along with that. Uh, you know, when we think more deeply about, you know, like representation and, and how, and how people appear in visual culture and then how that again, like has, has the ability to shape people's beliefs and so if we have, you know, like images of black people that are, that are, you know, shown widely that are only ever made by like from a white perspective, like, what do you think those images are going to look like? What do you think those images are going to, to make us believe, right? Um, and so I, I like, you know, to kind of bring it back to your question, I feel like it's again, it's not about like, you know, having an answer of like, well, we need to do this, this and that, right? I think what we really need to do is is just begin earnestly asking ourselves questions and holding people accountable for when things go awry, you know like i was uh I got mixed up in you know the debacle with uh the Whitney with uh the collective actions mm-hmm. exhibition right um, where they're where they're buying these prints from these mutual aid sales and then you know wanting to collect and exhibit them as ephemera, but then uh, not acknowledging that like. We're all like all of us artists, like we sell our work, you know, in legitimate ways. And so now, you know, like we're, we need to have this discussion. We're going to have it publicly and we want to be able to come back a year from now and ask y'all like, what did you, how did you learn from this process and what actions, what measurable actions did you actually take? Right. And then if it's just the same old story, which often it is, you know, which, you know, cycles of history have have shown us time and again, then it's, you know, then we have, like, kind of a a question of, like, then why do we continue to support this institution? If they are going to continue to not acknowledge, you know, the power and agency that that artists should have in these relationships with institutions, then maybe we just need to begin finding ways to build institutions for ourselves and and stop supporting them.
0: You know, I was saying to someone the other day, like this may the pandemic may wind up being um, having a silver lining for some artists because there's so many empty storefronts now.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, and then I think even in the way that it just kind of has expanded how we can engage with people's work and, and practices, you know, like we have, you know, some um, like we had to consider an option, you know, here um, in the School of Art, like with uh With thesis exhibitions, you know, are thesis Mm -hmm. exhibitions necessary or relevant right now? You know, what if somebody wants to do, you know, like a publication? What if somebody is, you Mm -hmm. know, solely presenting their work via a website experience, Mm -hmm. right? But then, like, what that does is, or hopefully what it does is, once we, you know, like, go back to being in person, is that we don't kind of backslide into those older ways of thinking, because to mm-hmm. me like a lot of innovation is happening and then can we use this moment and these opportunities the ways in which we've had to rethink how we deliver education who gets access to it um you know i'm i'm thinking even down to like the pace at which i teach i have to teach a lot more slowly but then looking back at it it's like man was i actually you know te- like being kind of reckless by teaching things so quickly right
0: wait what do you mean you have to teach more slowly
2: uh, Cause I'm, I'm fully remote. And so, you know, like trying to teach, you know, students how to even like set up a camera, you know, like, right, yeah, okay, like, yeah, like learning the yep. basics of a camera. I, I have to teach yep. like so much more slowly now. Yeah. But anyway, it, like, I think it's like, you know, this moment to me, hopefully we can begin to use like our, yeah, like how we've had to reevaluate things, how we've had to, you know, kind of innovate things, um, that we continue to sort of capitalize upon that momentum, that we, we, can, we can, you know, just keep kind of pushing it further and further. I've been thinking about margins a lot lately, Sasha. And like this this idea of being, you know, like as a black person in America being considered marginalized. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, well, you know, then of course I need to like push myself towards the center, right? Like that's, that's kind of the goal. But then I was thinking, well, but then doesn't that just serve to displace people? Right, and you know, like some people do need to be displaced. Um, Yes, they do. But if we're if we're if we're thinking about equity and justice, and then isn't it about building or like is there something that exists beyond like this wall that you know like I'm up against being on the margins? You know, do we need to just break it down and see what's out there? Is it about building like a wider you know space so more people have room to exist? I mean, I, yeah, like I'm just like kind of trying to find the right kind of metaphor of, of this way of thinking, but it's like, you know, I I don't consider myself somebody who is marginalized. I consider myself somebody who exists in a system that cre- has created margins, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do, how do we think outside or past that? Um, because that, that way of existing isn't, it just, it's not going to work. It's not working, never has, never will. So we just need to, we need to abandon it right? Like, we just got to, it's got to go. But how do, like, how do we get there? Like, how do, how do we sort of create the, this kind of essential plan to get us there?
0: Let's talk about, so that we don't try and solve all those problems in 45 minutes, Um, as a lover of photography. And I, I love your work. I mean, it's, I find it, you know, incredibly moving and, um, really provocative and but in a emotional way that I connect to. So I want to ask you uh, you know some specific questions So one is it, it seems to me in 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 reading interviews with you where there are images that you've made that the titles to the images feel so poignant and important and I'm thinking about, the project that you, the, the book project at no point in between, but then in the book there, there are no titles. And this is just a really specific question, but it really baffled me. So, um.
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I love, I love coming up with titles for images. I think that, you know, it's like a, a way to, you know, kind of like tie a neat little bow, but it's like, titles are hard for me sometimes. And it's like, you know, like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, ripping them off. And I I know exactly what I want some something to be titled. Um, And then other times, it's just like, you know, it it takes a while for it for it to come. And and so I, you know, I don't I don't put the titles out there often. Yeah. And then with printing the book, it was like, you know, we didn't, didn't include, you know, like a a list of titles, um, you know, because of that reason, right? Like that, Everything when when the book was going to print, everything didn't have a, a title yet. Uh, and so we didn't, I didn't feel like it was uh, something <laughs> okay. I wanted to like commit to. That's yeah. hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. It all makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you something. It seems to me like the Zora I know a bit about is a guy who wants there to be, you know, more access and wants the circle as we've talked about to open up more. Is there a disconnect in any way between that concept and this the sort of legibility of some of your work or the opacity of it? So, I mean, I think that especially without titles, that's why I'm looping this back around, and without explanation, without sort of like an artist statement or any text from you, you know, I'm up for doing a lot of work. But there there is certainly... Going to be a lot that's missed, mm-hmm. and does that feel like a missed opportunity to you at all?
2: Um, no, I think like you know, like early on, like and and like kind of speaking about my work and and you know like researching and things like that, I feel like I was I always got kind of rather caught up in feeling like I need to explain like every aspect or every detail of the work, mm-hmm. right. But I, I've i had, like, you know, like, a lot of different experiences, like, you know, like, seeing people engage with my work, whether that's like, you know, being like attending a, you know, a show and seeing like watching viewers kind of how they look at the work, how long they stand, you know, like, all of these things, right, Um, you know, to, you know, how people will, like, what questions types of questions people ask, like, when I deliver lectures, Right. And sort of having the understanding that everyone is bringing their own shit to the work, you know, everyone, you know, is sort of going to draw something different, you know, those conclusions may be similar, right? But everyone's going to be drawing something different from the work. And so the best thing that I can do as an artist is just be well educated about, you know, what it is I'm trying to put out into the world. Um, You know, that's like, you know, being educated about like my intentions, being educated about, you know, the things that inform the work, you know, like whatever it might be. And Considering like (laughs) you're like doing the work, you know, I think that's, that's a part of the work itself is, is that there's some labor involved and that, you know, that there's different, yeah, different experiences. Like I was at a show, um, and I, um, had, you know, reproduced this, you know, portion of a lynching photograph, um, you know, rather large on, uh, on vinyl and, Uh, a black individual that came to the show and then like, you know, came to the talk and was asking questions was like, I find this image really harmful. And you know, like, these are the reasons why I find it harmful. And rather than like, sort of kind of shrinking away from that, that question, or or even reading it as confrontational, I, I should maybe rather preface with that, Rather than like, rather than reading it as confrontational, it's like, you know, then just getting into a dialogue of, okay, well, then let's talk more deeply about how images function, right? You know, how, like, when we look at something, how do we draw meaning from it? How do we think about it? So what does it mean for you as a black individual to look at these large white figures and you know that they're standing over a black body that they've, you know, that, uh, you know, that they've murdered a black person? But then also, like, what does it mean for a white person to stand in front of that image? What do they see, right? And so I I never entertain to have a right or wrong answer, but rather, you know, I just try to engage in whatever dialogue may come, because to me, that's what art is for. It's to, to facilitate, you know, social interaction.
0: Do you think of yourself as an activist artist, or does it not matter? I mean, who cares about these words these titles um but I'm, I'm just curious how you think of yourself
2: yeah i mean i i i think no I, I wouldn't say i i feel like i'm an activist artist you know and i um there was something you asked earlier the the previous question and, and this just made me think of it again um Oh, the the sort of titles and the work involved. Oh, I'm, I think in in a lot of ways, I'm just waiting for the world to catch up with me. You know, like the art world's got to start doing its work and contextualizing what it is I do and talking about what I do. And then people can find more information. Um, But it's out of my hands now, Sasha. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, um, being, but being an activist um, is like, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't ascribe to that, that label. I mean, I think I'm I'm just an artist, right? You know, I think that's, like, for me, if, if, you know, like, a label is applied, you know, I'm an artist.
0: I think of you as an artist, too, by the way, and a really wonderful artist. But I did notice in, you know, the way you talk about – once you start talking about the work, like, in interviews, and, you know, you, you often sound very much like an activist as, as well. And maybe those two things are just um, – impossible to unjoin.
2: Sure. Well, oh. maybe, maybe a social instigator is, uh, is a more proper label.
0: <laughs> and, y- you know, I'm partly just messing around with you. Yeah, because yeah I, I know. I, I, don't, I don't believe really in labels. <laughs> but So let me ask you about your film. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of...
2: Oh, um, uh, Exceptionalism as a Belief System for Erasing oneself.
0: What did you get from making the film? What, did, what, what was the sort of um, goal
2: yeah, um so it's it's actually not a film. It was a commission piece um for uh the University of Southern Florida, the Contemporary Art Museum there. Um they were hosting a show called The Neighbors and each each artist uh, was invited to curate a uh, like a set of slides for a, ah, a carousel. Okay. And so, yeah, so they, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they filmed it, but it, it's funny that it like you can sort of interact with it as a film. And that's like, I, w- I loved how, you know, the, of course, you know, we're like everyone's thinking about like accessibility and how to see these shows and interact with them. And I think they, that that idea was just a really good sort of way of, of kind of playing with this idea of accessibility and how we engage and see artworks because um even like th- just like the sound of of the carousel right you know it kind of mm-hmm. brings you yeah. into that moment and yeah um, totally yeah yeah during the we did a little panel discussion and the uh, Curator Christian, he talked about that. You know, like, you know, if you can like turn down your lights and, and, you know, have this video on full screen and just, you know, kind of look and just, you know, listen well, to Well that's the, how I right. watched it, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. But right, but I, I think that's like that's a really interesting um Yeah, it was just a really interesting thing and I of course wanted to have it on my website. But you know, the piece itself, like it was again like curated for this exhibition called The Neighbors. And and Christian just said, you know, you can you can do one of two things. You can you know, just like pick a body of work, you know, you pick your your 20 images, and you put them in a sequence, and then you, you know, that'll be that. Or you can sort of interact with this object as like an artwork, and you know, sort of think about it in that in that particular way. And so I was, I didn't want to like, just present, uh, you know, at no point in between. And I was like, I really wanted to make like this, you know, kind of sculptural object. And so I was just considering, you know, the the title of the work or the title of the exhibition, the neighbors, and then considering, you know, the things I was like kind of thinking about or going through at the time. So we had we had gone remote at school, so it, I was like at home, you know, like they sent all the students away. The town was com- like, you know, Fayetteville where I live is a college town, and so you know the students all left, and it was like kind of quiet. And the only sound I was like hearing when I would go outside were like all of these, you know, new, new build um, homes that were going up, you know, the construction was still going on those. And so I, you know, just sort of became attuned to that sound, but then got interested in in starting to go inside those spaces and, you know, kind of photographing um, the light interacting because they were, you know, they had just put up the outer walls of the house, but they're like still kind of false walls at that point that need support. So there's all of these, you know, kind of, Homemade infrastructures to keep the walls up, and then you know, the news of Ahmad Arberry uh, and the details of his murder are released. And so then I'm like thinking about this action that I was taking to make art going into these abandoned spaces. Sort of, again, like having to evaluate these dire circumstances and having to think mm-hmm. about, yeah, like how cautious and careful I always, and how I always have to be aware of my surroundings. And like, you know, but just so then I, I just sort of took that moment, this idea of this being in this this space that is meant to be a home, thinking about the concept of being a, a neighbor, you know, thinking of having a relationship with somebody who's not, you know, related to, of relation to you typically, right, as a neighbor, and then thinking well when i think about neighbor i'm often thinking what does this person think about me and mm-hmm. what in what ways may, might they be a threat to me mm-hmm. you know like how do how do i have to go about interacting with this person to ensure like even if we don't have a good relationship that they just they leave me alone right
0: yeah
2: um and so that's like sort of where the like that's when i started like the curation of images and then i wanted to have this kind of repeating motif of an American flag you know that keeps kind of like coming in as like this mask and you like have to keep thinking about this this concept of American you know Americanness being a neighbor all of all of the things that kind of come along with with that
0: well I think it's great I mean I really I loved it and um, you know watched it a few times as I said as you know with with the rights off and yeah, I hope you do more, uh, I, even though it wasn't a film, you know I, I hope
2: you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, ideas in the works, I'm not going to make any promises, but I've been thinking <laughs> okay. about yeah, I've been thinking about short films lately, but you know I have uh, plenty of other things on my plate that I have to tackle first. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, speaking of that, um, you won the next Step award,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is a new award that Aperture and Baxter Street, Camera Club have developed and what did that feel like?
2: I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah. Like when I was on the call with, with, uh, you know, Aperture and, and Baxter street and, and, uh, folks from seven G foundation, I just, I didn't have words. I mean, honestly, like I just didn't have words and it was, um, i mean i felt really bad i was like i hope y'all don't think i'm rude and just like oh cool give me this money thank you bye um but it was just like i just didn't know what to say you know and i think it was um especially when you know like they they released you know the nominator list and just considering like you know people that you you know spend your career like looking towards Mm -hmm. but then also you know the all of the talented people who were whose names were listed alongside mine and to again sort of be considered, you know, like um, that, that you're, you're included like with, with like such great artists and, and obviously like such thoughtful people. And yeah, it's been exciting. You know, I've started working on, you know, the, the new book uh, with Aperture and so just really looking forward to the to the next year or to the coming year. I wanna ask you
0: a lot of questions, but I wanna ask you, make sure I get this one in because I was really curious about it and I, I can't let it go. Um, a lot of your portraits, not all of them at all, but in a lot of them, um, particularly of black men, there's a way in which the faces are obscured often by someone's own hand or arm or just their relationship to you, to the camera. What's happening there?
2: I mean, I, I guess um, that's something I haven't necessarily, like, thought about. But I, I think that you know, I just have
0: now made you <laughs> self conscious. Uh, I really love those yeah. pictures. I think they're incredible. Yeah. I, no, I. I, I they will. remind me of Dorothy Lang a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, your brilliance with the way you know, not everyone can obscure a face and still have a picture communicate so much. Mm-hmm. But I actually think you're great at it, and. The sort of forms and shapes that are created often with someone's arm, or I I think, is Mm -hmm. really beautiful.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I I feel like from like a a technical standpoint, you know, that like, um, well, for for obscuring, I had a lot of practice with corrections because that was like kind of a primary. (laughs) That was like a a requirement of the work uh, because I had to obscure identity. So like that was you know like as far as obscuring faces, I think that's it's just something I've I've you know, probably just become really good at, but when I'm working with people, um, you know, like I, I let conversation lead, you know, I don't, I'm not really like, I'm thinking about the photograph, but I'm not thinking about the process of of photographing, if that makes sense. Um, that I'm, I'm just trying to be like, I'm trying to hold space with somebody else and, you know, like really listen to what they're saying. And of course, like I'm, I'm like looking for, uh, you know, like gestures, just sort of nuanced gestures and things, You know, that that might make, uh, you know, a a compelling photograph, but then also maybe in a way kind of telegraph a piece of that that person, you know, that it's like a movement that is familiar for them or, you know, I I don't know. I I, I think about things like that when I'm um, sort of like, I guess, preparing to to take a portrait
0: is it sounds like when you're making portraits that it's pretty collaborative.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, as, as collaborative as it can be. And I think that's like one thing that often people ask about is, you know, like collaboration, like with people. And I think that, yeah, it can be collaborative, but like, I still like always try to acknowledge the, the power dynamic that is going to inherently skew towards me as artist, Right. And, and so in the process, it's like, I try to make it as collaborative as it as it can be. But often, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm working with, with strangers, you know, people, you know, that I yeah. encounter while I'm out or people, you know, that like, yeah, see me with a camera and are just interested in, in what I'm doing. And so, you know, sometimes like people, yeah, people who, who just, I guess, maybe sort of know how to present themselves for images and then other people who just aren't necessarily like comfortable, you know, in that, Mm -hmm. in that sort of role and and maybe, you know, are, are asking for a little bit more direction.
0: But yeah, there's like
2: a a portrait of uh, this man named Black. um, And at no point in between, he's got his uh, hands in a praying gesture. Mm -hmm. like in this face kind of buried into his hands. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like I was walking and in my neighborhood just, you know, kind of out and about taking pictures Uh, and he was outside, you know, talking with some friends and, you know, I went up and introduced myself and, you know, I asked if I could uh, make a portrait of him and he was like, oh yeah. And he was like super into it. Like he, you know, took off his (laughs) t-shirt like unsolicited Um, (laughs) and, and he was like, yeah, he was like, I got all the colors and he, you know, just like started doing like these praying, Motions, but the the title of that uh, of that portrait is uh, "Black Showing His Colors." But that like that quote, "Showing His Colors," like he, you know, was like he just told me like I've got all the colors," and then he just started yeah like doing these prey (laughs) these prey poses. And so you know it's like yeah, there's there's people you know like that who you know maybe want to show out a little bit, Uh, and then there's you know like the portrait of um, of Rondell. Um, It's like a really close very close like portrait of, of his uh, head and shoulders. And I'm like, sort of he's leaning on a stair railing, and I'm looking up at him. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I was uh, walking um, home from work. Actually, um, I was working It was my la- it as my summer after I graduated, I was working as a valet uh, at this hotel in downtown Lincoln. You know, sometimes I would, I would walk to work. So then I could, like walk home and like photograph on the way home. And, Yeah. So I, you know, I saw Rondell, he was, you know, leaning against his car and he was um, just kind of like, you know, looking at his phone. And so I was like, you know, like walk over towards him and I'm like, what's up, man? And he's like, how's it going? And he, you know, it's like one of those moments like where like somebody kind of looks at you, like their, their look, their gaze kind of lingers in a way that signals like that they could maybe, you know, like use somebody to talk to. Mm hmm. And I was like, how's it going, man? And then he, you know, started talking about, you know, he was, you know, he's like on the arguing with his uh, girlfriend on the phone and, you know, it was like payday and he was trying to have a good day and but like, she had recently decided to, you know, move back to Texas and, you know, uh, she had taken their, uh, their kid with her, hmm. And, you know, he was like, had to, he was like, you know, they moved from there because, you know, he was having some difficulty finding work, you know, he found a really great paying job in in Lincoln, Nebraska, of all places, and they both moved out, but then, you know, things weren't working between them, but he felt like he couldn't go back. And so he just felt back to Texas. And so he just felt like he was, you know, like in this kind of this crisis, you know, this limbo of, you know, well, what do I do, right? Like, I'm obviously in love, and I want to be with my family. But I know that there's just dead ends for me there and then like what does that mean like are you know am I putting myself in a situation where they're no longer gonna love me because I you know I, I can't be successful for myself mm-hmm. right so yeah so we were just kind of talking you know like, and we you know just kind of talked about love and and you know we walked around the apartment complex and he just kind of showed me around and tr- introduced me to some people he was hanging out with and. Um, yeah, and then we were, you know, like we found the spot on the stairs and he, you know, just kind of leaned and uh, we were we were talking and I just asked him to, you know, kind of hold it and just keep having, you know, conversation as I set up the camera. And yeah, they, and then the the title of that portrait is uh, Rondell talking about love, you know, so it's, you know, it, yeah. yeah, again, like kind of those, those pieces of our interaction, you know, trying to find ways to, to carry those forward.
0: By the way, we're going to end now, but you, you've, yeah. you've confirmed what I said early on about the poignancy of your titles. So um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so darn it. Don't, don't drop them out of the next project.
2: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I won't.
0: Thinking about it. Give me a call. I'll do an intervention.
2: All right. Yeah. I, I got you. I got you in the next book, Sasha. I'm going to have to hire like a professional to start writing some titles for me, man.
0: Well, here's the thing I always say to my artists when they're agonizing over titles is you're just... You're going too far. Like, it's... (laughs) There's no such thing as the perfect... It's just... I don't know. It's like this weird thing where all the anxiety about making pictures somehow gets, like, redirected into some odd little place as if somehow... (laughs) A title is going to be so bonkers that it's going to screw up the picture. That's not going to happen, and as as a result, so many artists <laughs> leave them out. Leave them out,
2: <laughs> yeah. Mystery. It's I, gotta not a some, I gotta have some. gotta have some mystery surrounding me.
0: <laughs> There's enough mystery in the work. <laughs> trust me. Not your so many peoples, and in so such a great way. Yeah. But um, yeah, those titles are beautiful, and. Um, thank you for doing my book photo work um, oh, I, yeah, yeah. we'd never met and I reached out to you out of the blue a few years ago and um, your contribution is, is wonderful and I really appreciated it and I'm happy for you and your successes um, yeah thank you so much for, for hanging out with me this afternoon
2: oh yeah yeah thanks for having me on the podcast it was, uh, it was a, a true delight and uh, yeah we'll, we'll catch you again soon
0: Okay. Thanks, Zora. Yeah.
1: Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chovan dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by Jay Walter Hawks. You can hear Photo Work on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.